0: Boys.
2: Come on, boys!
3: The boys are back in Boneheads. This is a big one. It is quite <laughs> frankly the biggest game in K-State football history in the year <laughs> 2021. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, got jazz listening to Coach Climbing and all the players uh it, this is a big one I'm, I'm I'm nervous it feels good to feel this way um Grant before we talk about our sponsors how are you feeling as we're sitting here on a, a truly fall uh Tuesday evening
1: I'm nervous too still water gives me the creeps I don't like it I'm, I'm worried but uh I'm excited to talk about it and maybe by the end of this we'll feel better I don't know Maybe we can talk to our problems and this can be therapeutic, but I'm certainly scared right now.
3: Yes. All right. Before we get into it, as always, we are sponsored by Spotify Green Room. Guess what? If you want to talk through all your nerves about the K-State game with us and fellow Boneheads, you get to do that tomorrow night on Spotify Greenroom. Just go to the Apple iOS store or the Android app store, download it, And join us. We can put a bow on the waxing that was the Nevada game and start talking through all of our uh, dreams and nightmares when it comes to this Oklahoma State game. So join us tomorrow, 7 p.m. in God's time zone, Spotify Green Room. Let your voice be heard. All right, before we get into Coach Kleinman's press conference, just real quick, we did get two pretty big recruiting uh, uh, wins. uh, You know, we we kind of referenced V.J. Payne in the last episode. Now another swaggy defensive back from Georgia. Again, one of the bigger recruiting wins this season, he had offers from Vanderbilt, Boston College, Arkansas, Michigan, Michigan State, USC, and more. He's going to be playing safety for us. Again, I think we talked about on the Q&A episode a little bit, but, I mean, again, a Georgia defensive back who had quite the offer sheet. Um, I think he's going to fit in with this new mob mentality defense that we're building at, from the back up.
1: Yeah, I agree. I like our Georgia pipeline, too. Um, it's quite nice when you think about listing our Georgia players. We got T. Dents and T.J. T. J. Smith, yep. both from Georgia. Now we've got V.J. Payne, uh, Duke on the edge, and Huggins, I want to say. Eli Huggins and Omar Daniels, a
3: defensive back from last recruiting class. So
1: Pretty impactful players. I mean, four of those guys are playing a big part right now, so it's exciting. Yeah, I like it, to look at V.J. Payne, too. Yeah,
3: it, it's, it's going to be a good one. And, again, you look at that offer list, and some folks might try to be like, oh, but he's only a three-star. And, oh, how many of those could he have committed to, yada, yada, yada. At one point or another, you know, two of the biggest programs in America were in on him. You know, Arkansas was going hard after him. Vandy was going hard after him. He's a Georgia kid, so he's turning down the SEC. Boston College – which has a defensive staff that honestly is some of the best when it comes to evaluating defensive backs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, how we st- stole Marvin Martin who was playing safety last week stolen from Boston college because those dudes know football. So uh, that's a big one. I'm very excited for DJ Payne. Um, again, just about, I don't know, about three hours before we started recording uh, they flipped a guy. So it was a Northern Illinois commit Garrett Oakley. He's a tight end small school from Nebraska. He's a true six, five, 205-pound uh, tight end. He really fits the mold of what they're trying to do at tight end. And, again, uh, if you're a member over at KSA Online, just, you know, hashtag no free ads. But uh, Derek Young was saying that Minnesota and Michigan State were starting to poke around, and Wisconsin may have already offered him. He just was committed. He wasn't going to tweet out all his new offers. Uh, but, again, this might be one of those low-key pickups where – if he turns into something, it'll be another feather in the cap of this staff when it comes to evaluating and finding talent, uh, you know, in a small town in Nebraska, you know, commit to a Mac school and stealing them. So, uh,
1: yeah.
3: you know, I, I'm not going to pretend like I can evaluate film, but he's fun to watch versus high schoolers. Who knows what I haven't seen?
1: I haven't seen any film, but I trust the staff in terms of evaluating talent and finding guys like this, particularly at the tight end position. So feel good about it.
3: Yep. All right. Let's move into the coach Clonin's press conference he said that everything is magnified. Everything, every, every opponent you play is going to be faster and stronger once you get into conference play. Um, I think, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but there is a sense of, Hey, it, it, it means more. Pardon the pun, the SEC pun. It just means more, but Hey, once you're in conference play, you know, this is truly what matters. Um, he also kind of harkened back to 2019. He said, that we didn't fare too well. Some of the old guys remember that uh, and how tough of an environment it's going to be to improve on. Also again, called out special teams. Once again, um, he's really trying to get them to right. do something. He says they have to continue to improve specifically called out special teams said that, you know, the penalties on special teams are really hurting us and said they really need to step up. Um, you know, he, he came out spitting some fire very quickly in the press conference <laughs> Um, I I think we both agree that, hey, Big 12 play, you know, everything just seems to be more. We were both there in 2019. Um, What do you think is going through his head? Do you think that Coach Kleiman is in his head at all thinking, okay, you know, this is my third year here. Uh, I went three and owned the non-con, had to go to Stillwater, got my ass kicked. Do you think that's really in the back of his mind? Or uh, I I know it's in the back of some of the players' minds. I heard some of them doing their media, they're 100% thinking about that. How prevalent do you think that is in Coach Clement's head right now?
1: I mean, it could be, but I don't think he can allow himself to let that be in his mind. You know, if he is, we might be in trouble. Um, He's got to be pretty much the day-to-day guy. If I, you know, I preach pound the stone, ironically, on Twitter. And I don't like when people look ahead. It makes me nervous although it means nothing when fans actually do it. But if anyone is going to pound the stone, it's got to be Chris Kleiman. So I'm sure, you know, he'd like to get this Oklahoma state game behind him, get the, get a W, but you know, it's a new season. We're a new team. We've got different weapons than we had in 2019. That was a pretty flawed team. It was a solid team, but I think he's probably feeling better.
3: You have different running backs, but you know, which you is still have Malik Knowles, uh, you still have Philip still have pretty Sandy enormous Wheeler, variable.
1: You still have Nick Lenners. I mean, the biggest variable on this team is our running backs.
3: I know, but but I I don't, I, I think, ironically enough, at least on offense, and it's the not team that is different,
1: the defensive side of the ball is enormously better. I mean, we held so them I, under 30
3: points that last time, though. I mean, we they ran
1: for 300 yards, true, but I mean, one man ran for 300 yards. True. It's a totally different team.
3: That That's fine, that's fine, but again. If you look back on that again if you look at those 2019 Oklahoma state how, how many more how many games do you think they scored less
1: than they did versus
3: us um 30 it was
1: 26 to 13
3: yeah how many how many times do you think they scored less than 26 that
1: season probably a handful i mean two or just, three maybe just 3 just 3 yeah i mean still years. We pretty much were dominated that entire. I know. Workout.
3: I'm. I'm. Not, and I'm not. I'm not trying to say we didn't. Get, but I'm, I. I think here's the thing. Let me rephrase the question. If I told you right now they're going to score only 26 points, do you take that right now? Yes or no?
1: I probably take that. Okay. But we're far more explosive this year. At least we have more explosive players now this year. But no, I know.
3: I. I'm not- I think
1: from Coach Kleiman's perspective, I hope he's not thinking too much about 2019. Um because it's entirely new year. And, you know, I don't want him getting in his head like that. He's got to be the guy that's not getting in his head like that. Or even if he is, he should be using it solely as motivation. So I don't know, maybe, but I hope not.
3: Definitely. All right. Um, so another thing that he said, which then kind of got some uh, sarcastic social media uh, presence, he said that they're going to have to pass more and open up the passing game a bit more to win games in big 12 play i mean i agree with them but it was kind of funny seeing that quote tweeted out by a couple different folks and then some people just like no we don't like just yeah and and, no we're not going to and just stuff like that it it is funny to see the reaction how you know some fans are just full and embrace like no we're just going to run the ball 85 percent of the time and just win um, but I agree with him. I, I think it would be really
1: fun to see if we could continue doing that.
3: Like, like we go undefeated and like basically playing long, run, 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 the yeah. army, running every play.
1: That'd be just hilarious. bullying, bullying everybody. That would be incredible. But I mean, yeah, he's right. We are going to have to find some sort of passing game, but at the same time, we are in a unique position where we're playing with our backup quarterback. So You know, it it is a little bit different. I think if we were – if Skyler comes back legitimately next week and, you know, who's to say how good he is next week against Oklahoma if he's playing, but then he'll have a bye and he'll probably be pretty close to full strength, if not already full strength with Iowa State. Our offense looks totally different. We pass the ball more 100%. At least we have the option to. So, I don't know. Of course we need to pass the ball more, but – I don't want to come out slinging it. Like I hope he's not thinking like we're gonna catch them off guard. Dana demo this shit with Bazooka Joe and just start launching <laughs> down the field every play. That scares me. I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. But I don't either. Um, some uh, yeah,
3: some bad news. Uh, early reports were hey Khalid Duke not gonna be out for the season. Well, that was wrong. Uh, he yeah. said in the press conference he's out for the season. Uh, That sucks. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's no other way to put it. I I was feeling oddly enthusiastic when initial reports are it wasn't for the year. A little deflating when he came out and said that during the press conference.
1: That's a big loss. I mean, I would, at least going into into the season, we anticipated him to be our best edge rusher. And, you know, he was a pretty solid presence through the first two and a half games. So it's a bad loss. No doubt. If there is one place to lose a player though, it's probably on the line on the edge. So yeah, probably frustrating. Agree with you. Sad Go for some. him. Uh, mm-hmm. Nate
3: Matlock is really going to have to step up. I think he's going to see, a, yeah. he's going to be the guy who gets an increase in snaps. Uh, so he's gonna he's going to have to step up. He's going to have to step up. Um, Skyler said they're still working on him to get back. Not quite ready. Um, when you kind of read the body language, I, body language, when he was answering that question, I weirdly am more confident now that he's going to play versus Oklahoma than I was mm-hmm. just based on seeing the <laughs> body language again, um, State online, they have all the press conferences on their YouTube page. So if you want to see what I'm saying, like he kind of had like a little smirk uh, almost to be like, yeah, I mean, he might be able to go, but he's not quite there, but like he had something up his sleeve for next week. So Maybe I'm just trying to be hopeful and trying to, you know, project out my own hopes that hey, Skyler's almost back. But that's kind of the vibe I got from. Him.
1: I didn't. I haven't watched it. I, I've only read them, so I can't comment on that. But I'll take your word for it as a the body language expert that you are.
3: Yes, uh, everyone, anyone who has a Twitter account at one point or another has been a body language expert. So <laughs> yeah, uh, Clamant said they've been piping uh, noise in all week. I, I'm kind of skeptical. I mean, I think it's good that they do that uh, just so they have a little bit of understanding, but I, I think everything just hits different when it's in person. So I don't know how much that's really going to help outside of just, hey, they at least know how to signal plays in non verbally, get the snap off non verbally. So I, I mean, like, okay, that's fine. Um, he also said this he says, we're not going to be able to stop Oklahoma State's directioning offense. You just have to contain them. Again, that's coach speak. You're never going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to shut him down. But that's never, like, never the fun thing, like, you want to hear. Like, you hear that all the time, like, basketball. Oh, we're not going to be able to stop Michael Beasley. You just hope to contain him, you know? Yeah. It's never a fun thing to hear.
1: Well, you're right, though. What else is he going to say? It's coach speak. He could have said, oh, the offense is
3: going to be a good challenge. We look forward to taking it on. Like.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Whatever. I think. Shit. I mean, our run defense looks very, very good by the numbers. I don't know if that's because we are so good or the rushing attacks we played aren't great, but we're gonna find out. I tune in Saturday to find out. I like saw five minutes so far of them. I've only really I haven't actually sat down and watched Oklahoma State all that much, other than a little bit of the second half against Boise. So I don't know jack shit about them. I'm gonna have to listen to the Alley cats scouting report.
3: Definitely. Um he uh, talked about during team meetings, there was, you know, doing the whole need to pass more. Uh, yeah. I mean, basically he, he just went on about having to pass more, but then he almost kind of threw some shade at Nevada and said, but when you're going to play a team, that's going to let you run the ball over all, all over the field like Nevada did will continue to run the ball. So I thought that was funny. Um, he said still early in the week, had it, haven't had the straight up conversation with Messingham and Colin Klein on if they will p- play both quarterbacks. But said that they're going to be willing to do it. Uh, said so the best thing that the offensive line did was sustaining blocks, which is something that is very underrated. I think a lot of times, especially when the excuse me the offense sputtered last year and the year before, it's because the offensive line would get that first block, but they wouldn't stay on it. And a game that should have been five turned into two. Something that like could have been seven, you know, got chopped down at three. So I think that is something that I'm happy to see um oh hey, this was another good one when climbing asked was asked about you know the first true road experience for will howard he goes oh it will for sure be different i was just like yeah okay like again we were hyping up the whole idea of you know the very first real road game rattler's gonna have to play as us we were not expecting to have to i didn't yet. think okay, about will howard will howard <laughs> is gonna have to go to Stillwater, so that's that's gonna be rough um And then here's the last thing. And I, this was maybe the most interesting thing he said, especially with as much as we rotate, he said that all position groups and players know exactly when they're going to go in and rotate. They know exactly which series or what situations they're going in. So no one is surprised when the rotations happen. So it came up when talking about, uh, you know, the quarterback rotation, but then he like broke it down by almost every position group. Like he was saying like, Hey, you know, uh, Marvin Martin knew exactly when he was going to be going in safety. Panzer knew which plays he was going in for guard, all this type of stuff. So um, I don't know why I'm surprised because, again, I I mean, that's like a very Bill Snyder type thing if he actually rotated players. But it is like a very, like, detailed-oriented football coach thing to do, like saying, hey, we know exactly, hey, you are going in for the third and fourth series. And, oh, offensive lineman, you're going in for the first six plays of this drive and we're going to run these plays. And, okay, hey, we're going to give so-and-so a five-minute break, and this is who's going to – like, it's not surprising, but, like, hearing him lay it out like that was cool to hear.
1: I think it's weird. I mean, it's just really weird to me. Wouldn't you want it to be a little – wouldn't you want to be a little more situational? Like, I don't know. I just would want to keep my best players on the field. But I mean, if you
3: know you're going to have to rotate, because that is a principle that they hold to. They and, do. And, and here's the thing. Cooper Beebe does not come out of the game. He talked about how Cooper Beebe doesn't come out of the game. Russ yeast almost never comes out of the game. Yeah. So like your important position, if Skyler was there, you know, they talk all the stuff about like two quarterback system, even with Skyler. I don't think if Skyler was in, he was going to come out.
1: Fuck no.
3: I mean, Deuce Vaughn is getting a shit ton of carries. So uh, it's like your best players are still on the field a bunch, but if with the, when they preach rotation as much as they do, like, I think it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. I also, I don't know if you read Kellis' story today or maybe it was yesterday about Will Howard basically calling out the play earlier in the week. And I know, I know Mess loves to script drives, but it surprised me how far in advance they truly like script these opening drives. Like five days in advance, they knew, like, ready for this, the second play, we're going to, we're going to score because I want to see this at the line. Right. I think we might score. That is blows my mind.
3: Ready for this? I think Courtney Messingham had his first series scripted out for the entire season, every single game, the entire season, <laughs> before it was the, even the end of July. Probably. I He, he might have had to change it when it was Will Howard, but Courtney Messingham strikes me as a dude who probably, you know, w- once spring ball was uh, over, the only thing he did, and, and this is me projecting. This is me just, like, projecting stuff. I have no idea. But he strikes me as someone Ooh. who's like, okay fuck it. You know, every single week up until fall ball starts, I'm going to worry about scripting the plays to start games. So that's just the type of dude who like, he kind of strikes me as. Yeah, that
1: could be, that could be the case, but it's crazy. I just didn't, I guess it makes sense, but to know that the players knew the exact plays. I mean, I guess that obviously means that's what scripting means, but it's nuts. It's crazy. Like, Gives me a totally different perspective, but. I mean, I mean, shit.
3: I, I played for a very like mediocre on its best day high school football team. And we knew our script on Monday the week before. So Yeah, I guess I just, crazy.
1: I'm not a football guy. I've never played football outside of, you know, middle school, seventh grade. So it's just weird. I, d- I didn't realize it worked that way, but.
3: Yeah, it does.
1: So <clears throat>
3: get into our uh, wild or our uh, primers and wildcat roundup. They're sponsored by adopt Own shop If you want a furry friend like Chauncey uh, and who could become a companion for your whole family, make sure to go to one of the great shelters across <laughs> this country. Find your newest family member. This week's Wildcat Roundup is given to us by Kelsey Bigelow, who is a student at K-State, works for K-State, TV, ESPN Plus, and 1350 K-Man. The Oklahoma State Primer is from Philip Slavin, who is host of the 1012 Podcast, the creator of the 1012 Network and also does a lot of great work over at Land Grant Gauntlet. And finally, the K-State Primers from Drew Galloway of K-State Online. So listen to them. They'll get you set, and we're going to come back, talk about what it means, give you the key to B, and uh, we're going to do some B predictions too.
2: Up Wildcats fans, I'm Kelsey Biglow, a senior at Kansas State University, an avid sports fan, but most importantly, here to bring you your weekly Wildcat Roundup. Let's just start by saying if you're a Wildcat fan, then I want to congratulate you, because this past week was all about the Cats. Big finish for the football team, big win, top 25 now, all the way into men's golf top finishes and wins all across the board for the sports world. We'll get that started this week right here with women's soccer who now sits at 5-4 on the season, one win away from tying their season best back in 2017 when they had six wins that season. The Wildcats had a tough start to their week this past week as they they welcomed in some pretty stiff competition. Indiana Lady Hoosiers, who now sit at 6-2-1, and they got off to a hot start against the Wildcats as the fifth minute of the game. They already had a goal, found the back of the net. 30 minutes later, they did it again. This time, though, from midfield. I kid you not, steps away from midfield, as if that's not bad enough. The Lady Hoosiers did that twice. Two shots from midfield. They took a 3 0 lead heading into the locker room for the intermission. The Wildcats, though, they did as they do. They tried to fight their way back into the game, but they just came up empty handed. Freshman Katie Coffin, as well as junior defender Jesse Lauren, all had shots on goal. Jesse Lauren actually had three shots on goal in the night. Unfortunately, she came up empty handed, but. She finished the night with a career-high three shots on goal and tied her career-high for shots with three. Coach Dabini, he was rather pleased with her effort and how well she played, but as for the overall performance of the team, he made it loud and clear that the game needs to be played for a full 90 minutes. So you take that urgency, finishing the game, those were the keys as the Wildcats moved into their second game of the week. They did exactly that. The Cats down the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. What a mouthful that is. They did that this past Sunday at Boozer Family Park. They were aggressive. The first 20 minutes of the game, they fired off 14 shots. Then finally, shot number 15 actually found in the back of the net for the Cats. Brooklyn Inc sent a long ball over the defense. Transfer junior Marissa Weichel chased it down, sent it just inside the left post, gave the Cats the early 1-0 lead. And you know, looking at Weichel, Marissa Weichel, very short-lived Wildcat career so far, but she has set the school record for game-winning goals in a season with three as well as she also now ties for second in school history for goals in a season with five. Wildcats didn't stop there, though. Instead, it was a crazy, I don't know if you want to call it a pinball-type goal, came off the foot of Yarnell Williams, deflected back into Yarnell Williams, off of her foot into the foot of Porter List, who then found the back of the net for her first collegiate goal. Cats go up 2-0. That's the final score of the game. Cats win. Elena Weirmeyer came away with her second shutout of the season in the net. And the Cats finish their non-con schedule with a mark in the W column. Conference play now begins Thursday as the Wildcats will take on Texas at 7 o'clock. Texas Longhorns are on a three-match win streak. For those of you headed out to the game at Boozer Family Park, wear your white. It's a whiteout. Don't forget it. Also, don't forget to grab your free K-State cowbell while you're at the game because who doesn't love cowbells? Up ahead to the weekend, the Cats will travel down to Lubbock, Texas Sunday, and they will take on the 7-1-1 Texas Tech Lady Raiders. If you can't make it out to cheer on the soccer team, both matches can be caught on Big 12 now on ESPN+. And tickets for the matches, if you are headed out, can be found at kstatesports.com tickets. Now moving into Wildcat Volleyball. Eight matches. Eight matches in a row. The Wildcats are on a hot streak. This past week, they took down Missouri, Weber State, and Omaha. Those three matches alone, 53 kills. Yes, 53. All of them coming off of the hand of none other than sophomore Aaliyah Carter. Make that 175 kills on the season, which marks her at third in the Big 12. And if that's not enough for you, six double-doubles on the season for Carter as well. Again, Cats traveled to Omaha, and there's three names you need to remember. Aaliyah Carter, Jaden Nimhard, Tiana Adams-Katinoy. That's it. That's all you need to say about the match with Weber State. K-State dropped the first set, but then it was all those three. I mean, of course, other people were chipping in too, but let's just look at this. Carter recorded match best, 22 kills, added 16 digs along with that. Jaden Emhard, 20 kills. And Adams-Katinowy, 51 assists and 13 digs, checking in for her third double-double in four contests. Carter now, nine 20-kill performances, places her for a tie in fourth place on the K-State's all-time list. Cats come away with the four-set victory over Weber State, dropping the first set, winning the last three, 25-23 in each of the four sets. They moved into the final day of the Omaha Challenge feeling pretty good about themselves, but this time it was a big performance on the defensive side of the ball. Cats tallied a season-high 15 blocks, 10 of which Redshirt junior Kaylee Hollywood was in on. That marks her new career high for her, as well as the first Wildcats this season to reach double-digit blocks. You know, I say the performance was big on the defensive side, but that, of course, is with the exception of Aaliyah Carter doing Aaliyah Carter things per usual. Still logged a double-double, her sixth of the season. 15 kills, 13 digs. So just another casual day in the office for Aaliyah Carter. Two double-doubles in the Omaha Challenge for her. 37 kills, 29 digs, an ace, a block, and that all together earned her the MVP of the Omaha Challenge. Cats again took the victory over Omaha four sets, winning the first two sets, dropping set three, and finishing the job in set number four. Eight-game win streak. That match is now the longest since 2018. And The volleyball team now has a little time. They'll hit the reset button, and they will be taking on their first conference opponent of the season this Saturday and Sunday in Baylor. The Bears are on a four-game win streak themselves. And I've actually beat the Wildcats the last six times out. So I think it's time for a little bit of a change. First serve Saturday, Bramlage Coliseum set for 4 o'clock. That game will air on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. Series finale, Sunday, 5 o'clock. First serve coverage on ESPNU. For those traveling, you can catch both matches on the radio. News Radio KMAN, Rob Velker on the call. And if you're still needing to purchase your tickets, those can be found at kstatesports.com slash tickets. In other K-State sports action, the men's golf team finished second out of 13 in the Wildcat Invitational, led by sophomores Luke O'Neill and Ethan Miller, as well as junior Tim Tillman. For the women, a tough adding for them, finishing 13 of 15 teams in the Wildcat Invitational, but a big opportunity to bounce back quick this week as they have the Sunflower Invitational right here in Manhattan. Wildcats women tennis team also getting their season underway at the Ole Miss Invite. The team will have matches Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the team is led by a pretty strong core of returners, including five seniors. So, full slate up ahead for the Wildcats. That's your weekly Wildcats roundup. Again, I'm Kelsey Bigelow. I do work for K-State HDTV serving as a production member, as well as a sideline reporter for them. I also help out at News Radio KMAN with both the news and sports side of things. As for now, shout-out to Grant and Scott for letting me be part of the show Give me a follow on Twitter, at KBigelow72. I'm Kelsey Bigelow, and as always, go Cats.
4: up boneheads this is philip slavin host of the 1012 podcast part of the 1012 network i am a big 12 fan by choice an oklahoma state fan at heart as well as contributing to the landgrantgotlet.com. i am also a contributor to SB nation's oklahoma state site cowboys ride for free have been for some time and so oklahoma state is where my loyalties lie my blood is orange uh, so let's talk about the 2021 oklahoma state cowboys who currently sit at 3-0 after conference play it's certainly not the Mike Gundy-led Oklahoma State of the past. Gone the past two years is the high-scoring offense, the big giant passing plays, the craziness that we have really enjoyed, as as well as the uh, bend, 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 and occasionally break defense. This is now a defensive team led by defensive coordinator Jim Knowles in his, I believe, sixth season. Oh, God, man, I did five or six. It's been a little bit. Cowboys have won their first three games by a combined 13 points, Okay. It's been uh, not quite cardiac, but more uh, just just knuckle burners. Okay. Wins over Missouri State. Uh, Tulsa, the best 0-3 team in the country, according to a variety of metrics. I say that slightly tongue-in-cheek. And Boise State last week. Uh, So while the defense is holding teams to under 20 points per game, offense is averaging only 24, which is why we've seen nothing but close win after close win back to close win. Uh, Obviously, the offensive struggles are for a variety of reasons. The offensive line has not been uh, great. But the biggest issue for Oklahoma State, especially this last few games, are injuries at wide receiver. Look, Injuries have plagued the Cowboys the last two years. I, I get it. Injuries happen to everyone. It's not an excuse anybody likes to use, but it's been insane. Last year was the offensive line that couldn't keep anybody healthy. This year, it's wide receiver. Yes, again, everyone deals with injuries, but Oklahoma State's receiving core has been decimated. Six of OSU's top seven receivers from the start of the year are either out for the year or banged up to some degree. Offensive coordinator Casey Dunn mentioned this week that usually when Oklahoma State goes on the road, they take nine receivers with them. They were only able to take seven. So not like we picked the nine best ones. It's we took the only seven we were actually able to take. Okay, it's not great. It's why the Cowboys had to rely on a walk-on for the game-clinching third-down catch against Boise State on Saturday. It's why, honestly, we're having to like check numbers and names to figure out who these guys are that are taking snaps on the field. Okay, so with six, some of those six are listed on the depth chart for Kansas State specifically, Tay Martin, Jaden Bray, who've made big plays for Oklahoma State so far in the, into the season. We don't know for sure how many of them will actually play. Okay, we don't know if they're going to play for or not. Needless to say, OSU is relying on a sophomore in Brendan Presley, who's a stud, uh, a bunch of freshmen, and walk-ons. That's pretty much it. It is a big problem for Oklahoma State and is going to be a a talking point throughout the rest of this little uh, monologue for you. Uh, Last week, Oklahoma State, of course, as I mentioned, beating Oklahoma State, Beating Boise State, somehow escaping the Smurf turf up there in Idaho with a 21 to 20 victory uh, in a game where not a single point was scored in the second half. Yes, the score at halftime was 21 to 20, and that was a score at the end of the game. Uh, there was uh, a bunch of punts, uh, two block kicks, and, uh, and or two block uh, field goal attempts. That was it. Uh, The game was won thanks to the aforementioned catch, that third down catch, uh, and a blocked field goal by the three fingers belonging to Jason Taylor II. Uh, You guys will remember Jason Taylor II. He's the one who uh, had the uh, 85-yard scoop and score against Kansas State last year. that gave OSU the cushion they needed to beat the Wildcats in Manhattan. Uh, And uh, the other big takeaway from last week... This has been the biggest thing for Oklahoma State, I think, so far this season, was the emergence of a true RB1. OSU, coming into the season, Mike Gundy at Big 12 Media Day is talking about they had four or five guys they felt could carry the ball, you know, 12, 15 times, as opposed to having one guy carry it 20 to 22. Well, Jalen Warren, who made some plays two weeks ago, really stepped up for the Cowboys, snatched that RB1 role. And, and has basically run away with it. He scored 14 of Oklahoma State's 21 points and accounted for more than 66% of the team's yards last week. the first time a true ground game has emerged for the Cowboys all season, as I mentioned, and it has been, and he's got it. It's his job to lose. Uh, and um, all Gundy has said they'll ride the hot hand. He is the hot hand. At this point, you know, in the season, the Cowboys are 3-0. Uh, I, I think a lot of us were a little bit worried about the Boise State game. They escaped with a W, 3-0. You're halfway to bowl eligibility. And while there's definitely some pessimism and, and, and negativity, you are 3-0. Um, you the got conference play coming up now, and everything is still ahead of you. But, I mean, before the year, I, I think fans felt like, you know, upper half part finishing the upper half of the conference— Gonna make a bowl game. The bowl streaks gonna continue, and and maybe maybe if things break the right way, you can challenge for a Big Twelve championship game berth. Um, I think at this point, though, finishing the top half of the conference and a bowl game would be would be good. I mean, honestly, um, the offense has been unimpressive, play calling included. The defense has been stellar and well coached, but you know, it, it, I just I just don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I think this team can still go eight and four. I do. And I've thought eight and four and nine and three through most of the offseason. And I still feel like that's a possibility if these receivers can get healthy, if the offensive line can start to gel and Spencer Sanders can look more like his, at least his old self, because he's been a little bit subpar thus far. Uh, and again, you know, having receivers to throw to, I don't, I don't, you know, unless you're Tom Brady, I think expectations for the season moving forward are, can we get to eight and four? I, I would call that a win. Uh, its It's all going to come down to how well the defense can hold up. That's it. Uh, Boise State game is a good example. They struggled a little early. They had a little trouble keeping up with the hurry-up offense for some reason. Seemed like they needed a little bit of time to adjust, and the offense didn't do them any favors. It was punt, 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 75-yard touchdown run. Punt, 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 punt. Basically, it was all three and outs until late in the second quarter when Oklahoma State finally put together a touchdown run, um, and then the the Cowboy defense forced a turnover, and the offense got the ball back and, and scored again. The defense kind of started figuring things out midway through the second quarter. And then in the second half, they pitched a shutout. They got a break. The offense played better in the second half. The defense wasn't out there over and over and over and over and over again. And they stiffened up. Uh, The defense has been fantastic this year. Um, And that has been the deciding thing for the Cowboys in in every every single game. There's been this, again... Not only answering the challenge and keeping Oklahoma State in games, but but winning it for them many times. I mean, we've seen the situation where Oklahoma State has the lead. Um, the the opponent is marching down the field with the opportunity to tie the game or take the lead late. And the defense has stiffened when it's reached you know, the, the red zone or when they had to and kept the opposing team out of the end zone or from putting a game-winning score on the board. Special teams defense did it against Boise State. The defense did it against Tulsa. The defense did it against Missouri State to, to open the season. So, like, the defense is huge. And that's going to determine, to me, a lot of what happens to Oklahoma State, both in this game and in the season uh, moving forward. Um, in this particular game, in this game here, biggest concern for Oklahoma State has to be the run game. They finally found one against Boise State, as I mentioned. Some of the best run blocking by the offensive line so far this season. Mm-hmm. But i, I got to be honest, Kansas State, whoa. Hey guys, currently ranked 22nd, nationally giving up just 69.5 rushing yards per game. Nice. Uh, if I'm them, if I'm the Wildcats, I'm loading the box and forcing Oklahoma State's young and inexperienced wide receivers to beat them. And Spencer Sanders, who through two games has been just okay completing just or 53.8% of passes. Again, chicken to the egg. Is it Sanders? Is it the wide receivers? Is it just a combination of the two? I, I, I'm really intrigued to see what happens in this game. If I'm Kansas state, I'm not going to let Jalen Warren have 218 yards against them. Like he did against Boise state. Um, Keep players for this game. Number one, which wide receivers are going to step up. If, if neither Jaden Bray or Tay Martin, who have been good for Oklahoma state so far this season are both currently listed on the depth chart for this game. Did not travel last week. If they can't go, can the coaching staff get the speedy and shifty Brennan Presley going? Uh, can Rashad Owen step up and make some big plays? He had a couple of nice catches against Boise State. Can someone be a, a reliable weapon for Spencer Sanders? The ones we've seen, Tay Martin, hurt. Jaden Bray, hurt. The stars of the first two games have missed last week. If they can come back then one of them is gonna be the key player of the game to me. If not, then one of the key players of this game has to be another wide receiver. And I and I don't I don't know who that is. Maybe it's one of the Green twins, uh, who've both been banged up or back and ready to go. Like I said, maybe it's Tay Martin, maybe it's Brendan Presley. It's gonna be a wide receiver number one on offense and it has to be. Um because they need to be able to not be one dimensional. They need a reliable weapon for Spencer Sanders, and it'll be huge in opening up things for Jalen Warren and the run game. On the defensive side of the ball, I expect a big day from Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, along with being the Cowboys' best linebacker, his strength comes in run blocking. Deuce Vaughn is legit. I'm not going to argue that in, in any way, shape, or form. He's going to get through the line at least a few times, and I expect Rodriguez to be there and make plays to limit him, which is going to be huge for Oklahoma State cannot give up the big runs, cannot give up the big plays to Deuce Vaughn. I think that's key for Oklahoma State. And I think Malcolm Rodriguez is going to be a big part in doing that. I feel kind of lazy in saying Malcolm Rodriguez because he's been huge through three games, but it feels like that's going to be a a big a big thing for Oklahoma State is limiting Deuce Vaughn and similarly putting the pressure on Will Howard to try and beat them through the air. For Oklahoma State, um, I really need to see one thing. You know, I, I mentioned the offensive line has struggled. They were beat up last year. Again, a thing I always try to point out when everyone's like, "Oh, she was offensive line was bad last year." Yeah, by the end of the first game, they lost five guys who were supposed to contribute in the two deep. That's uh, you know, out of out of your top like eight nine guys, five were gone. So now that's what's happening with the wide receivers for Oklahoma State. The most important thing is for this offensive line to take another step forward. They were bad week one, slightly better week two, better again in week three, better in the run blocking uh took a little bit of a step back and pass blocking if they can have their best outing of the season this weekend that's going to be big for oklahoma state it's going to spark that offense that is averaging 24 points a game uh, if osu should be averaging 30 like at least like they, they have got to get to that point for that to happen the offensive line is going to have to step up they're going to have to build open holes and protect spencer sanders build open run layments for him so i really need to see that from the cowboys this weekend as far as this game goes, it's going to be a low-scoring defensive struggle. Like I know we used to predict those kinds of things in the past, and they weren't. We've seen shootouts between Oklahoma State and Kansas State before. I think maybe not as ugly as last year, but something akin to last year's game. Low scoring, a few big plays are going to make a decision, um, a big defensive play here and there is going to matter. I think that's what it's going to be. Um, and if some of this, the wide receivers for Oklahoma State can't step up, and they are one one-dimensional, it could get even uglier. Um I'm going to pick Kansas State in this game. I'm going to pick Kansas State by 3 points. I again I I think the defense for Oklahoma State will keep them in this game. I can see a defensive score for Oklahoma State. They haven't uh, that's it's something that they have been able to do and I think they will do in this game. We saw it last year. I I think that happens this weekend. I think Oklahoma State and Kansas State play a close one. I think Kansas State pulls this one out by three because I have a hard time predicting which wide receiver and if any are going to step up from Oklahoma State. And if they don't, passing game is going to be subpar and Kansas State has a better defense than Boise State does. So um, that's my thought. That's my feelings on this game. Thanks for having me on. Boneheads, you guys are awesome. Bosco boys, you guys are the shiz. I don't know about cursing on your show, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, again, I am Philip and I am the host of the 1012 podcast, part of the 1012 network. Uh, the 1012 podcast, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference. And I guess I should start saying 14 because we do talks in BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati now. Follow us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12 the word network, where you can check out all of our shows. Uh, we are a network devoted to the Big 12 Conference, so I am pumped the conference is staying together and expanding, because that means I don't have to go change a bunch of stuff. We'll figure out the name stuff later. Uh, we have my show, the 1012 Podcast. We are the flagship show. Uh, we have Rock Chalk Podcast, because I know you guys all want to listen to stuff about Kansas. Uh, we have Fire the Cannon for Texas. We have the Raspy Voice Kids for West Virginia. You guys really do need to go listen to that show. We have Midwest Madness, which is our basketball podcast, and the Funky Frog podcast, our TCU show. So go check out all of our shows. Okay, uh, you can find more stuff for me at the Land Grant Gauntlet. I'm going to start doing a weekly three thoughts, and uh, I just put one out from week three. Have a nice little thing for Kansas State fans. I think you guys are really going to like. So go to the lgg and I got three week three thoughts from from week three. I've got a little thought on Kansas State. I, th- I think you guys are going to appreciate. It. I also uh, cover Oklahoma State for Cowboys ride for free. So follow the 1012 network, follow the 1012 podcast, CRFF, LGG, Philip Slavin. Thanks guys.
0: What's up, Boneheads? My name is Drew Galloway we're from K-State Online. Now You can find me on Twitter at Galloway underscore underscore Drew, and I'm going to take you through the game primary this week for Oklahoma State. So a quick overview of K-State so far this season. They're 3-0 with wins over Stanford, Southern Illinois, and Nevada. And the first two games were just about as polar opposite, I think, as that you could possibly get. Against Stanford, the Wildcats played really, really well they probably should have won by more than the score of 24 to 7 by how they dominated and Sanford didn't score until one of their last until their last drive of the game and then against Southern Illinois the things started well and then Skylar Thompson goes down and Will Howard and the rest of the team to be completely honest really struggled in that second quarter against Southern Illinois but then the, they turned it around The defense threw a shutout in the second half, and then after that, Nevada was more like the Stanford game than the Southern Illinois game. The Wildcats played really well against Nevada, and especially in that first half and then the fourth quarter. The third quarter was a little bit dicey, but the fourth quarter really showed what the Wildcats can do, and they dominated on the offensive line against Nevada in that fourth quarter. And the Wildcats ra- ran for over 200 yards again. And they didn't have to throw, but they did. And they th- they threw on the second play of the game, and Daniel Lamatter babe had a 68-yard touchdown. Things went about as well as they possibly could for playing two quarterbacks and playing two relatively inexperienced quarterbacks. And then, so for injuries, though, they did lose Khalid Duke in that Nevada game. And he is done for the season with a lower body injury. And Skylar Thompson probably won't, he won't be back for this game. But look for him to come back, maybe for Oklahoma, maybe for Iowa State. They're still shooting for a couple weeks from now. So getting back to more of that Nevada game, the Wildcats won 38 17 while winning the fourth quarter alone. They won 21 0. And in that game, Deuce Vaughn ran for 100 yards again. And he's done it five straight times rushing for 100 yards. And in that game, he became the fifth fastest Wildcat to reach 1,000 yards in his career. Some other highlights from that game were that the Wildcats got to Carson Strong three different times. Uh, Daniel Green had a sack. I believe um, Reggie Stubblefield had a sack. And then Nate Matlack had a sack as well. And they forced turnover. They for- they forced a turnover too. Carson Strong doesn't turn the ball over a ton. I think he only threw four interceptions last season, and then T. Denson picked him off last week. And then some other highlights: uh, Joe Irvin played probably his best game as a Wildcat. I think he had 82 yards and averaged seven and a half yards per carry, but didn't get tackled for a loss. And then the rush defense. Oh my goodness, have the Wildcats' rush defense been great? They held Nevada to less than, or to a little bit more than one yard per carry. Nevada averaged 1.1 yards per carry last Saturday. So expectations for the season going forward. You're 3-0. You're ranked for the f- third consecutive season. You're playing pretty well considering the circumstances. So where do you go from here? Well, I think the answer is... You still want to get that 8-9 wins, maybe more. Maybe you sneak into the Big 12 Championship game if you can. But all the preseason expectations are still intact, and the hope is that they have enough talent and win enough games to maybe go back to Arlington and play in the Big 12 Championship game. So the strength of K-State in this game will be its defense. The defense has to play well for the Wildcats to win. Oklahoma State doesn't have as good of an offense as they've had for as at least as long as I can remember. There was a point last Saturday against Boise State where Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State was 2 of 8 for 22 yards, but they were running, and they were running really well. So look for the Wildcats to try and make Oklahoma State one-dimensional again and to make them throw the ball like they'd made Nevada have to throw the ball last Saturday so uh, I guess this kind of ties back into the biggest strength for K-State but the biggest weakness for Oklahoma State is its pass offense and they're breaking in a lot of new guys I mean Tylan Wallace went to the NFL Chuba Hubbard graduated and is in the NFL they have a lot of new faces Spencer Sanders hasn't been playing to probably his expectations and what Oklahoma State wants him to be at Shane Ellingworth got the start in their first game when Spencer Sanders was out with COVID. And it's not like Shane Illingworth really lit the world on fire either. So they're kind of a new... This isn't like your dad's or your uncle's or your brother's Oklahoma State team. This is a, an Oklahoma State team that's really led by their defense, first and foremost. So two players I think that you need to watch out for for K-State are Malik Knowles because this just seems like a game where he's due to break out again because the Wildcats are going to need to throw more. And he's their most talented receiver, bar none. I think he could probably go for around 70 to 80 yards, maybe break off a big one. You know he's probably going to get the ball on a few jet sweeps and have like 10 to 15 rushing yards as well. This just feels like a game where he needs to play well because Oklahoma State will likely stack the box. And then on defense, I'm going to go with Felix Anudike. I think that the Oklahoma State offensive line isn't great. And I think that he could force some havoc. And he's been having such a good season. So I think that he can force or make a few big plays. Maybe force another fumble as he had two strip sacks against Southern Illinois. Maybe he forces pressure on Sanders and Sanders throws a pick. But he has to have a big game, especially with Khalid Duke being out. One thing that I think is the most important thing for K-State in this game is to not turn the ball over. When K-State doesn't turn the ball over, they win a lot. And with two quarterbacks and Jaron Lewis and Will Howard likely to see the field, you can't turn the ball over. You almost have to play a perfect game when your starting quarterback goes down. So those two need to play well and not turn it over. And I think K-State will win. Maybe, maybe K-State gets a special teams touchdown. We haven't seen a very good special teams for from K-State yet this season. So maybe they'd break out and have like a big return or flip the field or something of that nature as well. And finally, my score prediction, I'll go K-State 24 and Oklahoma State 17. Uh, this has been Drew Galloway with K-State Online. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Galloway underscore underscore Drew. Thanks.
3: Boom, we are back, and I always love listening to those primers because I like getting a little bit more information on our opponents. So thank you to Philip Slavin who knocked that out for Oklahoma State. Shout out to Drew, our guy. Uh, You know Topeka Cat, Washington Roll Boy working for KSO, setting us up on the K State and Kelsey Bigelow. uh, A lot of great information on uh, all the great other teams outside of K State football. I have to say, you know what? Big volleyball matches happening in Manhattan this weekend. K State versus Baylor, then K State soccer also opening up conference play this week. So if you're in Manhattan. Get out there, support support both those teams, the volleyball team especially. They got some special stuff, and Baylor is supposed to be the second-best team in the Big 12. So they're going to go out looking for a giant slaying because they're a top-ten team. So let's break down now. Let's get back to football. Let's break down what this game means, and I'm hoping I can leave this first bullet point in there for the entire season. Because until we have our third loss this season in Big 12 play, the number one thing during this What It Means segment is going to be, if we win this game, we're still in position where we can make Arlington. Yes. Am I tricking myself the same way I did last year, and this time it's even worse <laughs> because we haven't even played a Big 12 game? 100%. Am I still going to convince myself if we start 0-2 that, hey, this team still has magic? If Skylar's coming back to the Iowa State game and we can run the table and get to Arlington, I am. But until – until we get that third loss, I'm not going to give up the dream of a magical season and a return to AT&T Stadium. Are you joining me on that? Or are you going to say, hey, let's win one more Big 12 game before I'm there?
1: I I mean, I agree with you. I'm kind of rationalizing it that way. But um, <laughs> I love that. I love that those mental gymnastics. That's great. But it's kind of true. I mean, it is kind of true. I don't think that the second place team in this conference is going to be having one loss. So I think two losses could possibly get us there, depending on who it is, depending on how it plays out across the board for everybody else. I totally agree with you though, but God, this is an absolutely enormous game. Um, I hate it, but I love it at the same time.
3: Real talk. If you look at quality opponents, I think k state has either the number one and number two or number one and number three best wins in the big 12 when it comes to non-conference play
1: that's why you're seeing us atop a lot of power rankings right now one and three um to an idiot mr riley gates put us at three somehow put texas above us which i think is very silly but um
3: so i still haven't listened to phillips uh oklahoma state primer i'll listen to that when it comes through Uh, i have no idea what he's going to predict but in his land grant uh gauntlet article he actually said that k-state is the best looking team in the big 12 which means I love number it. one his pri- power rankings
1: i love that so i mean on paper it's tough to say otherwise that doesn't always add up to reality yeah. but we yeah, look the solid voting
3: in polls have us as like the fifth <sighs> people, or sixth best team. people
1: voting in polls are dipshits they're all yeah. frauds and they're all stuck in their own mm-hmm. bubbles so I we need know.
3: Andrew to fucking get Sports Drink as an approved AP outlet so we can become AP po- uh, poll voters. How great would that be?
1: I mean, that would be enormous. I would love to be an AP voter. I mean, That would awesome. Just be awesome. That would be so awesome. Fucking joke. People All would right. be so mad about that.
3: Oh, so mad. So mad. All right. Uh, the next one that I have on here is this is either going to be a narrative continuation or a narrative breaker for Will Howard. Can the Pennsylvania field general go down to Oklahoma State and lead us to a win in a hostile road environment in his first taste of a crowd that's pulling against him in his entire career? And mm. that would break all the anti-Will Howard narrative. Or is he gonna have a rough game similar to last one where <laughs> he, Oklahoma State, where he had backbreaking mistakes, game costing uh. mistakes? And then that's just going to continue on this kind of division and Will Howard angst amongst the fan base.
1: By far and away, obviously the biggest test of Will Howard's career. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's so funny that we completely um, bypassed the thought of us playing in a hostile environment and the Will Howard scenario. It's very scary.
3: Well, it's because we thought it was going to be Skyler. Yeah, that's true. Beat a top 10 Oklahoma State team in Stillwater.
1: That's a good point. But um, I don't know. It would go a very long way for my confidence and Will Howard's future, and the kind of the keys to the quarterback position for the next three or four years. Um, be it there's going to be competition for it, but oh, God, I don't know. It's a big test for the for the young man.
3: Yes, the Pennsylvania Field General is what I'm going to be calling them all week. I like um, it. So it's it's become. Weekend- become just a lot of fun throwing up the mob sign, you know, mob Monday, all this type of stuff, you know, having a lot of fun with it. The team's having fun with it. So will the defense continue to give us reasons to throw it up? You know, this is a very salty rushing attack that we're facing. And while inconsistent, Spencer Sanders has had monster games as well. So, hey, is the mob going to, you know, keep 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 that title? Are we still going to be throwing up the hand sign without thinking twice about it? Or are we going to be sitting back Sunday thinking, well, shit, we probably need to just kind of chill it a little bit with the hands on. No, they're not back. So that's something <laughs> I'm definitely going to be looking at.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. I mean. And that's another yeah. one that
3: that's probably going to be in, you know, what does it mean? What are we looking for rest of the season? I mean, yeah. because, again, any of these Big 12 offenses, no matter how pedestrian they've looked in the non-con, all of them have playmakers that are, fully capable of like 40 balling.
1: you. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think we're capable of 40 balling anybody right now. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we just need to trust the numbers a little bit. Our defense looks very good on paper and they, to me, pass the eye test. Uh, they look stronger, faster, bigger than they have. We've mentioned it since maybe 2012. And they look like they even have more speed in certain positions than that team did. So Maybe we just need to ease up on our insecurities and, nope. you know, just trust those numbers, trust what we've seen. Um, it's going to be tough, but, you know, they don't have Chuba, Chuba Hubbard and they don't have Tylen Wallace. They've got weapons, but I think if there's a year where our defense can go to Stillwater and thrive, it might be this year.
3: Speaking of Salty, like I said, Oklahoma State's defense shut out Boise State on the road on the Smurf turf in the second half last week. This isn't going to be a game where you can pencil in, you know, two hundred rushing yards and a couple touchdowns before the game even starts. Like we were able to versus Nevada, you know, we went well yeah. above that. But I think we all knew, you know, the the, the running backs were going to get theirs. You, you can't mm-hmm. you can't just pencil in the stat sheet and see, you know, how much higher you go versus Oklahoma State. So that is going to be something I'm really going to have my eye on.
1: I agree. I mean we're going to have to run the ball successfully to have really any chance Saturday, obviously. But um, again, I, I come back to the defense, you know, going into Nevada, we knew we're going to put up yards on them on the ground, but we weren't so sure if it was going to be enough to, you know, outscore their pro pro quarterback. And what did the defense do? They showed up and they basically put him in a, casket the entire day um so i say have some faith in the defense lean on the defense the mob is back baby
3: all right last one i have in here <clears throat> folks come and get over that weird little funky as where he hasn't beat a team that he lost in his first year he wasn't able to get revenge on west virginia baylor texas or oklahoma state last year can he get over that weird little hump this year
1: i don't know i think that is i think there might actually be something to that um and maybe that's Stupid, like maybe I'm just being reactionary. It's only been two seasons, but it is strange that. But then again, Baylor year one he lost to Matt Rule, last year he lost to Dave Aranda, and that was just kind of like a a roster thing where we totally blew that game. But I've said it before, we had our Make a Wish defense out there, and it just fell apart. So I don't know. Probably should have beat Texas, but. We've got new coaches now that he's facing, so I'm hoping he can. Let's get over that hump.
3: Yeah, the the Baylor one's the one that really sticks with me. I understand losing all those (laughs) others last year, but –
1: West Virginia worries me a little bit. I do think that Neil Brown might have our number a little bit. But uh, Baylor, Texas, Okie State, those were all kind of weird, shitty, fluky games.
3: That's true. That's true. All right, well, let's get into the keys that are going to make it. So this isn't a fluky game and we're going to win. So Grant, give me your first key to be.
1: Mine is don't let Sanders beat you with his legs. We got to force him to throw, you know, he's struggled in the past. He struggled this season through the air. So let's make him pass and let's contain the run. When we collapse the pocket, like we ultimately are going to do because we have a great defensive line that's going to cause pressure all day. He's going to get flushed out so we got to contain that quarterback run and don't break down in the second level of the defense. Daniel Green's going to be enormous in this game. Like he's going to have to have It could a be monster the Daniel scan. Green game. Yeah. Might be the yeah.
3: Daniel Green game.
1: Like if he plays great, we are I feel like we have a good chance. <clears throat>
3: All right, so mine is don't let the crowd get the best of you. How are we going to grade that on Sunday? I'm not really sure. But <laughs> if you can avoid getting delayed game penalties, false start, try your best to communicate plays and audibles well. Uh, you know, we've said it like seven times now, this is Will Howard's first game in a wild environment that's going against you. But the same's true for Deuce Vaughn and many others, you know, when it comes to playing in a truly hostile towards you environment. Uh, you can't let the crowd get too loud for you. You can't let the crowd take away the moment. I
1: agree. Second key to be take advantage when they blow the box. Um, you know, we know we have to pass, um, but I think we need to be wise. We need to be opportunistic about it. Um we don't need to just increase our pass volume just to do it, just to try to find balance. There's going to be times where they do load the box, which is going to leave us with one-on-one coverage across the field in certain areas. And there's going to be times when we have guys open. So whoever is in at quarterback has to make the plays. We have to take advantage. You know, We likely aren't going to be able to grind this game out like we did against Nevada. We're going to have to make plays through the air. So QB1's got to step up.
3: Love it. Final one is when on third down, being able to get them off the field and then for you to be able to extend your own drive is going to be massive. Every play, every point you get on offense is going to be such a big deal because I don't think you're going to get a lot of them. I think this is going to be an oddly low scoring game. So you need to take every chance you can to maximize get points. You need to capitalize on the money down by extending the game and forcing them off the field when you get the chance. So, those are our keys to V's. Stay tuned for the very end when we get our predictions into here, how we're going to predict the game. Again, our game predictions are sponsored by Spotify Green Room. We're going live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. So download Spotify Green Room. You can get in your Apple iOS store or your Android app store and join us. Keep in mind, not just us, hundreds of rooms always going. And hey, we will retweet or endorse any sort of boneheads after dark or any bonehead led uh Spotify green room if you all want to get together and chat about the cats even outside of Wednesdays at 7 p.m you go for it you send me the link I'll retweet it you boneheads get your own community going so let's get into it me and the boneheads had a decent week we both went 11 and 4 grants on the other hand though went 13 and 2 getting out to a two-game lead on me I'm at 32 and 13 grants at 34 and 11 boneheads at 30 and 15 usually we're picking 15 games I, for some weird reason, only put 14 out there. So everyone is getting a bonus win this week. So we only have 14 games. I sent you a weird outline. I kept the Boise State-Oklahoma State game in there. So just delete that out.
1: I deleted it. Yeah.
3: All right, let's get into it. One of the coolest rivalry trophies around. It's the battle for the iron skillet, SMU at TCU. The boneheads, very big on TCU, 80% to 20%. I'm going with TCU, but again, it's one of those situations where the boneheads are way more confident than I am.
1: I'm going TCU as well.
3: A lesser known trophy game. It's the Chancellor's Spurs, Texas Tech at Texas. (laughs) Boneheads, 68-31 Texas. I have Texas, but this is what I'm going to say. If Texas Tech gives them a game, all of a sudden, me predicting them to go last in the Big 12, which they're not, they're either going to go ninth or eighth but if they give them a game all of a sudden that over five and a half starts to look good uh because they played a yeah. soft super soft non-con uh texas you know got axe, just their ass kicked by arkansas so who knows what's going to happen but if texas tech shows some life it might be good for them but i'm not going to pick it
1: i've got texas too i hope texas tech wins though
3: here's another one basically copy and paste what i said about texas tech and slap it <laughs> yeah. on baylor because again three and oh but they are i guess two and oh i think they still have to, no three and oh because they played ku um they have baylor later in the year but they didn't play anyone they have played nobody what's that look
1: i think there's an ad there's an ad playing i can hear it but you can't so don't worry about it oh, sorry that is super
3: weird okay uh yeah, so Baylor hasn't played anyone. So the advanced stats and some of the computer models have this being a super close game. Here's my thing. If Iowa State struggles with Baylor, they can just kiss goodbye any idea about like some sort of special season. Yes. So I'm going with Iowa State. The boneheads of Iowa State 80 to 20%. But I I I don't I don't see it being close. I think Iowa State gets
1: right. Agreed. I've got the cyclones again.
3: Here's one where I thought I was going to be picking KU, but they're worse than I expected. And Duke is better than I expected Duke coming off their big win versus Northwestern boneheads have them 85%. I have them. I've Duke. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think
1: Duke wins. I did too. so funny. I thought Duke was tragic, but maybe Northwestern's just terrible. I don't know, but I've got Duke. It's going to be one of those things.
3: Another one, again, uh, not quite copy and paste because they've played a lot of folks, but, a team I was like, you know, a little bearish on West Virginia. This is another one where the advanced stats, some of the numbers say this is going to be a lot closer than people think. 80% going with the Sooners. I'm going with Oklahoma as well, but OU has not looked very good this non con either. So, again, this might be way closer than any of us think. Did you see the
1: line? It's crazy. What is it? 16 and a half Oklahoma.
3: Oh, my. I don't think it's going to be that no way. big.
1: No chance. Um, This is one of those games where I really want to pick West Virginia because anytime they have the the opportunity for a possible enormous game with OU, one of us. OU loses before we play them, then they buttfuck us later. But I'm going to pick the Sooners.
3: All right, here's a big one, and you don't see this often. College game day is going to the big noon kickoff game, so you're going to have both of those – Live shows going at the parking lot, then, even believe it or not, the Barstool live college football show is going to be there. So, the entire college football world is there. I think that's a little wild. Wisconsin is one in one, Notre Dame sucks. I mean, they're one and two against the spread. Yes, they're three and oh, but it's been a tragic three and zero. This kind of proves the point that the polls are stupid. Notre Dame's number 12, Wisconsin is 18. And, again, I think K-State freaking houses either one of these teams, and I'm not even kidding. Houses? Wow. Houses. I, I think K-State wins I versus either of these teams by double digits. Uh, but Again, that. it's just like it kind of shows how stupid the polls are that then carry this narrative as like, oh, hey, that's why every single live show is going to be there. The Boneheads yeah. have the Badgers 63%. I'm going to ask you before I give my pick, who are you going with? Badgers?
1: You got Dame. the Badgers, too. Um, I thought about Notre Dame, but, man, they've really squeaked by. But that's kind of what they do always, even I mean, when they Wisconsin have great has years. has
3: lost games.
1: But to Penn State, I mean, who is good? That's a top-six team. They're, they're really good. At Penn least State I watch Penn State. Penn State. You think? Okay. 100%. Maybe they'll schedule 100%. us for the next wideout game, and we'll get to go.
3: Yeah, and we'll beat them. I, I'll, I'll take uh, Wisconsin as well. Uh, I mean, but, again, I – They're both trash. Here's uh, a fun one. The Southwest Classic in AT&T Stadium. Frickin' uh, Hog McGee, I forget his name. Uh, The the Arkansas coach. Just going around bitching to anyone who will listen about having to play this game in Arkansas. (laughs) He's mad about having to play the uh, game here in a couple weeks in Little Rock. Uh, Playing in Jerry's World, they have, I, I mean, I think they played this there quite a few times. I think it went to campus last year because uh, COVID and all that jazz. I think they're going to be there for still three or four more years. So, um, yeah, let's just get to it. The Boneheads – hold on, let me pull it back up. The Boneheads have the Aggies, 57% will ask you. Who do you got, Aggies or Arkansas?
1: I've got the Aggies. The coach is Sam Pittman, and he does look like an actual hog McGee.
3: I, so we're all – it's like a clean sweep halfway through it. So It's going to
1: change here soon. These are some weird games coming up.
3: Well, yes, I, I hope so. Okay, so we're going to UCLA versus Stanford. This would be a uh, big game for us if Stanford could pull it off, and the Boneheads are pretty confident in it. The Boneheads. <laughs> uh, what percent? 84%. 84% on Stanford. Not me. I'm going with UCLA.
1: Hmm. I'm I'm with the boneheads on this. I'm going Stanford.
3: Okay, I hope I'm wrong. I, There's I'm a chance count. you can pick one up. Yeah, I hope so too. All right, the next one,
1: Missouri. That can't be
3: right. Hold on. I think I had that wrong.
1: What that game?
3: Yeah. Well, so I so it's Missouri versus Boston College. I so in here I had that the boneheads picked Boston oh. College eighty percent, and I I think I wrote that wrong. I think the boneheads have Mizzou. Hold on one second. Yeah, they do. I had that wrong. The Boneheads have uh, Missouri 80% to 20%. This is another one I'm going against them. I'm going oh, Boston College.
1: I'm taking the, the Tigers. So, are they going to be tied, or you're going to fall down a little further?
3: Yes. All right, so the next one, the UTSA Zoom-in Road run, Runners versus Memphis, 68% Memphis. UTSA has a salty team. I'm going with Memphis, though. I just want to give some love to our UTSA fans out there. But I think this one's a close one.
1: Mm, I've got Memphis as well.
3: All right. Syracuse versus Liberty. The Boneheads. And I I put this one out there almost as like a trap, almost to kind of like test (laughs) Boneheads knowledge. Like, okay, how much do you guys know? Well, they went with the favorite. They went with Liberty 67%. I'm also going with Liberty. Um, I think it's going to be close. You know, the advanced stats have have this as a coin flip. Vegas is a little bit more bullish one way or the other. But uh, you know what? Shout out to the Boneheads. They watch college football.
1: Yeah, I'm going Liberty.
3: All right, we got Maction versus the Sun Belt. Honestly, this game should be played on a Tuesday. I, I am mad that this is on a Saturday. It should not be on a Saturday. It's at least on ESPN Plus. Uh, the Boneheads have Eastern Michigan. I'm going to go with the Emus as well. They're not really the Emus. They're the Eagles. I think they should be the Emus, though.
1: Eastern Michigan for me.
3: All right. Boy, I'm having to type all this in because it, okay. was, it was a long day at work. It was tough. I'm sorry. I I didn't get it all loaded before. All right. LSU at Mississippi State. This is a game where whoever loses their coach is going to be on the hot seat because people down SEC country are monsters. They're not patient for anyone. The cowbells will be ringing at 11 a.m. The boneheads Going with LSU. Are you going with LSU? You have a spiritual home there since you've seen the game there. Are you going with
1: LSU? <laughs> I think both these teams suck. We beat um, either of
3: these teams by 20.
1: I think they both suck. I think Mississippi State sucks too. I'm going, I have LSU, but I'm not super confident. I have LSU though.
3: Okay. I'm going to go uh, – I'm going with LSU. That's what I had on here. I'm not going to go away from it. I wanted to, but I'm not going to. All right. And then finally, the land grant grapple. Two big eight schools that will be friends forever and ever and ever. Amen. Kansas State at Oklahoma State. The Boneheads are super confident. 90 to 10%. Big number. (laughs) I am going with Oklahoma State scoring 26. I put that number out there at the beginning of the show for a reason. I have them scoring 26, and unlike 2019, we are going to score exactly one point more than we did – or than than we will – or than (laughs) Oklahoma State. I'm stumbling over my words. I have a swing (laughs) 27-26. I have a Winkle 32-yard field goal at the buzzer to win.
1: I have a very similar scenario. I have a very similar – Take
3: me out on a stretcher.
1: Similar scenario, I think we're going to win by – by field goal late, and it's going to be a Winkle winner. Cats twenty-three, Pokes twenty-one. There you right. go. Well, we'll and make- then, and then we just get nothing gets done next week.
3: No, nothing will get done next week. Everyone, make sure you take your blood pressure medicine. Join us tomorrow. Now, actually, it's tonight as you guys are listening. Join us tonight in the Spotify Green Room Wednesday, seven p.m. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be gut wrenching hell on Saturday. Mm. i'm nervous i already feel my gut churning but it feels good it feels good to feel this
1: agreed take you know it's
3: good to feel this bad
1: feel it while you can you know take advantage why not i want it to last i mean i want it to last nine more weeks
3: we're functioning adults who have jobs that have to get stuff done (laughs) with the responsibilities but you know those can wait till december
1: exactly we're gonna do it cats 100% 100% dub meet me at the cat head
3: 100% eh <sighs>